Hey, everybody, and welcome to Cancer in the Room, the podcast. Now, the goal of our podcast is to highlight the inspiring stories of athletes, sports executives, and medium personalities who have faced and beaten cancer. In the sports world, the term cancer in the room is often applied to a person whose behavior is disruptive and negative toward their teammates or organization. Now, in our particular case, all of us on this podcast have cancer or continue to battle cancer each and every day. Now, our spin is this. The battle is real. It's hard, but we all have a ton of life to live, and we all wish to, you know, try to blow through all of this and enjoy it as much as we possibly can. So that's the cancer in the room, and we're striving to push forward in a positive manner, and that's, that's what this is all about. And we also love talking about sports. And my name is Bryn Griffiths, and he is Dave Jameson. Joining us on Cancer in the Room today is a very talented uh, and versatile broadcaster. Brian Mudrick has covered three Olympics. He's the voice of the Montreal Canadiens, and he is one of our country's leading commentators on the sport of curling. Diagnosed as a teenager, Brian has beaten cancer not once but twice, and he is an advocate for ongoing research, and his initiatives have raised close to $2 million for cancer research. Brian Mudrick, welcome to Cancer in the Room. Muddy, we like to start really at, at sort of day one. You get the ca- cancer diagnosis. When was that? Can you remember what your reaction was and how it changed your life? I don't think you could ever forget it. Um, I remember being uh, 17. Um, I had a couple of baseball scholarships I was hoping to play um, and maybe get an opportunity to go down to the States and play. I didn't have the God-given left-handed 95-mile-an-hour arm, but, um, you know, I had a pretty good work ethic, and I thought I had a chance to uh, at least get some schooling and get some more baseball experience. I love the game so much. And I remember uh, not feeling great, felt a lump in my neck here, and I just told my mom about it. And three days later, I had a biopsy. And I just remember, like, coming out of it, and my parents were crying, and I didn't quite grasp what was going on and they were in tears and I knew something was bad and I was told that I had cancer and me being as naive as I was I was like okay get me some aspirin or whatever like I gotta I got <laughs> I got baseball tryouts I got let's go right and um yeah I'll never forget it never forget that day this is a radical change in your life obviously but how much did it change things oh brand like I'll be honest with you at first, again, maybe it's just 17. You're naive. You have no idea what you're up against. Um, I don't know if that was good or bad at the time, but um, it, it was, it was shocking. It was uh, scary. Um, But again, I just thought, okay, I I was told, you know, my cancer was, was, you know, treatable and beatable. Uh, I thought it was just going to be, like I said, you just take some medication or do a few things and you move on. And boy, was I ever wrong. Um, that was not the case. Um, you know, I could tell you countless stories of, of things that, you know, a 17 year old shouldn't have to go through or deal with. Or, um, but what I've really learned over the years is that actually um, talking and having these forums and, and kudos to you guys. I think this is amazing. And it was my privilege to, to, to join you is we have to talk about this stuff. I mean, um, I had so many uncomfortable situations like, uh, and I'll be, I'll be quite blunt. Like I, I had not even had sex yet and I'm 17 and a nurse is telling me, do I want to have kids someday? And I'm like, what? 
I'm like, yeah, okay, sir. Uh, take this, <laughs> take this thing, go into that room. Your parents are outside, fill this specimen. I'm like, what? Like, yeah. I can laugh about it now, but at the time you're just like, like, what is happening? Like, this isn't right. All of this is wrong. Um, yeah. I'm being asked to make decisions at 17. Like, do I want to be a father someday? I haven't even had a real girlfriend yet. Like, um, you know, I was a pretty shy kid, which might shock you, Bryn, but <laughs> I was actually a really shy kid. Uh, and, you know, I was a great athlete and grew up in a, in a little town, but, you know, I love my family. I love sports. I love to compete. And, um, man, um, that was, that was awful, you know? And then, um, I guess what I will say is all these years later, um, that has, it's changed me, I think for the better in a lot of ways. Uh, you can never teach perspective. You got to learn it. And, um, that's one of many stories I could share and, and would be willing to share because I think this is a wonderful form. And I think it's important for people that have, have beat this thing to, uh, to tell their stories and to, and for young people, old people, doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. Like, it's okay to, you know, to talk about stuff and how you're feeling. Brian, as you, as you said, you're 17, you're really just getting started in life. Um, you know, you arrive at a place where you have wisdom from years spent on the planet and your experiences. So you're 17. Where do you draw your inspiration from? And where do you sort of go to to lean on? It would have been parents, would it have been friends, would it have been, you know, where did you go to get help? Um, I remember my dad, there was a gentleman and I feel terrible. I don't remember his name, but at the time, as you guys, it's a blur, right? You're, you're just trying to hang on. Um, yeah. And my dad introduced me to a guy who was, I think at the time, I think my age now, so I'm 44 and who had beat it, which I think is great. I mean, the first, of course you want to meet someone who has had what you've been through and you see this guy who has been down the road and beat it. And so that I think was important. Um, that's a, that's a, just a small microcosm of why I started to later on do my golf tournament and, and try to help young people, um, more to keep the, not only just have an open dialogue and a conversation, but to make sure there was an outlet to help people that were in a similar situation to me. I was lucky to have a great family. I mean, you know, I was from a hardworking small town, you know, mom and dad that, you know, we didn't have a lot, but I never... I never remember not getting, you know, baseball equipment or sports or getting to play or to travel. They always did enough. And that when you're young, you don't know. You don't know how little you have. But like I never went without. Right. I was always food on the table. I always got to compete. I always got to go to the tournaments. And we traveled around Western Canada and beyond for baseball and other things. So I was very blessed that way. Uh, great family support, um, you know, good friends. And uh, I think, um, you know, uh, us Ukrainians were tough to kill, man um you know pretty stubborn <laughs> so, uh stubborn's always been one of my things the other thing too your family you your family has uh has run the gamut when it comes to, to cancer just tell everybody the story uh, of the mudrick family because cancer hasn't just touched you yeah bryn it's uh not a day uh, goes by i don't think about my brother my brother marty mudrick um we lost him, God, now six years ago. And um, 
it's just it's crazy like i remember when i was sick and it was the my second run with it and i had, um i was at the cross cancer in edmonton i was doing a stem cell transplant and my brother was supposed to go on a trip at the time i think with his buddies to mexico or whatever and he stuck around i just don't think he had it in his heart to leave and he didn't know like like did i need maybe blood or something and he just wouldn't wouldn't leave and um and you know we were four years apart and uh so obviously he was a big part of of my life and his two boys um and then he was diagnosed i'll never forget i was in florida at the time and i got a phone call from my brother in tears and he's like yeah buddy we got another battle and i was like what are you talking about and his cancer was oh my goodness i can't even it, it's it was such a rare cancer i think three percent of people get it um right and you can beat yourself up all you want about like why like why my brother why our family the crazy thing was when, when, when Marty was diagnosed, we went and got our DNA and our blood tested. There was no, there's no cancer really in our family. There was no genetic anything in our DNA that would suggest that we should have, or, you know, for two brothers to have cancer, obviously mine Hodgkin's lymphoma, which was compared to what he had. I had like the Melrose place cancer. Like his was like basically no chance. Um, yeah. uh, I mean, he was a huge part. Uh, we started the Brian Major Golf Classic. I remember being at the cross. I was 139 pounds soaking wet, just a shell of myself. And I remember my mom, literally, I couldn't even walk out of there. And she wheeled me out of there. And I remember saying, mom, we're going to raise a million dollars for this hospital. And she says, why don't you just try put on 10 pounds first? Um, yeah. and, uh, and we raised just under 2 million. And we're very proud of that. Um, and we, we like to think we helped a lot of kids and families along the way. And, Losing my brother just sort of, man, did that take the wind out of my sails. Um, I uh, I remember many things, but I got to say, I had to say, <laughs> got to, had to. I had to say goodbye to him when he was still alive. I, it was my first year doing the Montreal Canadiens, and, um, and he wasn't well. And uh, I flew back. I was calling Oilers and Flames uh, kind of back-to-back, -back and... Uh, and uh, we, we just knew like he wasn't well. And uh, I went and talked to him and, and I, you know, just, it's like, you just, we just knew like I wasn't going to see him again and he didn't want me to be coming back. And he wanted me to do, you know, what I was doing. And um, you know, I, 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 we told each other, if we loved him. I promised him I'd call a game seven and uh, he said he'd be watching. The, uh, um, you talk about it taking the yeah. wind out of your sails, though, but I guess he would be proud of what you've done. No question about that. But can you use his memory to put more wind back into your sails? Because one of the things that we've all kind of recognized is that we, we find ways to feed our fire as we move forward because uh, we're fighters. We're guys who have kind of beaten it back. Not, it, not all, all stories are successful stories. But we know a lot of people who have been able to find a way to get through this and now are surging forward. How, how are you able to use his memory to continue to boost your, uh, to throw more wood on the Brian Mudrick fire? Oh, Brian, every, every damn day, man. Um, <laughs> um, no matter like I, I, a cool memory. I mean, getting to say goodbye was really nice and tell him I loved him. Um when he was uh, when I when I found out I got the job to broadcast the Montreal Canadiens, I kind of 
it was, I, I didn't want, I, and I was, it was worked out perfect. I was flying home already, like the next day or two days after Paul Graham said, job's yours. And I flew out there and kind of for fun, I, I, I kind of put it on this like little envelope and it basically read something like, um, uh, the bearer of this, this letter gets, uh, you know, a trip for four to the Bell Centre in Montreal uh, as a special guest of the new play by voice of, of voice of the Montreal Canadiens. And um, yeah. so they open up the letter. My nephew, Tegan, reads it. No one has any idea what the hell's going on. <laughs> like my parents, no one, like everyone's kind of clueless, except my brother, who can barely walk at the time, gets out of his chair, walks over to me and gives me the biggest bear hug. He, he, he got it, right? He knew what was yeah, up, yeah, that yeah. I... But the significance of the job that I got and um, and the day and this is where I really hope that people watching this Brit like I just hope people understand like at home like everyone's going through something no matter what you see on the outside I have to I say goodbye to my brother I go I go to the rink my two nephews actually came Tegan and Jesse and man how things work out and how blessed I am you know, they ended up in a box somehow that night with like Rets and Yari Curry and a bunch of like, like the Oilers. Yeah. And, uh, but I had to call it. Well done. Well done. Man. It was super yeah. special how that all worked out. And the Oiler organization, like I, I could tell a bunch of stories, Bryn even used as well. That goes way back. But um, I had to call a game that night. Like, yeah. And it's, I was probably awful. I, I, I know I was awful. Um, and, you know, but my family and him and like, that's what everyone would have wanted um, is you just, you kind of keep plowing through. And um, that's the kind of stuff that you, that he would want. I think of him all the time. My grandpa, who is, I mean, he lived a great life. His life was celebrated. Gigi, uh, Peter Shamerko was like 90 years old and he was just the patriarch of her family. And Marty and him were so close. And, you know, I always, uh, my, my grandpa passed away the day I had to call the Olympic gold medal game in Beijing for the women's. Um, and uh, they didn't tell me. They didn't tell me. Right. Um, but uh, I just knew. Is that crazy? Like, I knew. And that was, but I, it was okay. Like, and, uh, and I made the joke at his funeral that, like, Marty needed someone to have a beer or a wine with up there and, uh, and, watch, the, and watch Canada kick the United States ass and win the gold medal. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, I take a lot of a pride in that. I think of my family a lot. Um, there's a million kids that want my job. Uh, I'm driven so hard every day to be as good as I can be. I know how good I have to be to call a game seven someday. So um, that's what pushes me every single day. If I don't feel like it, if I have a headache, uh, if I'm just, you know, emotionally not there, I always think of those two guys and it's like, show up, put out, get the job done. So to your point, Brent, that's a long way to answer, but yeah, those, those guys that pushes me uh, all the time. And for every, like, you know, people that don't believe in you or say you never were good enough or, um, you know, I'm, I'm my biggest critic. Um, no one, no one beats up on me more than me. Um, I hold myself and our whole crew to a pretty high standard. So, uh, you know, I'll keep pushing for myself and for those guys. Brian, we'd be hard pressed to say there's something positive out of the experience of living and beating cancer or living with cancer. But what do you take away from the experience, what you um, went through yourself, what your brother went through, that you can now look back with some degree of, uh, of distance and say, you know what, that changed me for the better. Oh, uh, we, you don't have enough time in this, in, in your broadcast. Um, 
Yeah. Um, we gave out at our golf tournament, uh, we gave out scholarships to kids um, that were battling cancer. That was important to me. And uh, we started out, we were going to do one or two of like a couple thousand. And then um, the, the response was unbelievable. And it was like, we got to give up more than one or two. And we started giving up five per tournament and kind of, it, it just kind of developed in its own thing. Whereas who got people, um, young men and women that got the scholarship would end up just coming to be the guest speaker the next year at the tournament. And it just kind of worked out that way. It wasn't planned that way. Just they wanted to come back. And so many of those young people just talked about the fact just the fact that they were um, given, you know, light, their story was able to be shared, the feeling that they were being listened to and heard. And um, that was so important to them. And that resonated with me. I'll never forget a young, a young lady who was going to be a doctor. She had to make a decision a few days before Christmas at one point, whether to cut off her leg or not. Like, there's just no bad days, guys. There's just no bad days, right? And she showed up the next year, just the biggest smile, prosthetic leg. Her fiance was a year off from, and now she is a doctor, by the way, and got up on stage and like, like, that's the kind of stuff that like, I, I will always remember from that tournament. I'll share one other one with you guys that will always, um, it's a young guy named Sam Smith. And he, uh, he got, uh, I think it threw a make a wish. He got to hang out with Carrie Price. And, and so he's at Habs skate. And, and I saw the Habs tweet like, uh, you know, Sam, um, and he's a Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor. And I was like, and I just, uh, Matt, who works with Montreal with the, the social media stuff, I, I just happened to say, oh, that's the cancer I had. And I said, and he's like, do you want to meet Sam tonight? I said, absolutely. Bring him by the broadcast booth. That'd be awesome. And um, so he, it's myself and Mike Johnson calling that game and he comes into the booth and uh, Hey Sam, what's up? I'm Brian. And I meet his parents and um, we just start chatting. And I said, you know what, Sam, I'm an old fart. And I had the cancer that you had. And uh, he kind of laughs and we talked about it and we put his headset on and his parents were in tears. Um, yeah. And, and, and what that meant to them to just, it, it, it was my pleasure. I got more out of it than that kid did. I hope like I, for me, that was like, like me talking to that guy when I was 17, you know, and it was like my absolute privilege to do it for Sam and his family. And, um, um, that's what I take away from it. Like that's, you asked me like, what did I, what do I take or what did I learn? Or, um, it's just the ability to, I think, share your story and empower people to know, like, you know, I was, I was, I was given a 50% chance, you know, people ask me about, you know, when people hate on my call or maybe they don't like me for whatever reason, I'm like, man, you're the least of my problems. Like the crap that I've gone through to get where I am. Well, this like, is exactly why we're again, doing no this money. This is exactly why we're doing this podcast. You just summed it up beautifully. You were able to tell somebody who's going through exactly what you did and said, I'm doing Montreal Canadian hockey broadcasts. I'm living my best life now, and I had as tough a time as you, and and you can do it, man. You can do it, and that's the message that we're sending through this podcast, which I think is fantastic. The the other thing that we, we because there's sports fans who are going to watch this who don't know anything about you. Now you've now you've kind of peeled back a few layers on the onion, talking about the cancer, but your career. Okay, so I know you grew up in Boyle. Where were you born, by the way? Uh, at the Basque, Alberta. So I was born you in Athabasca, which is like 30 minutes the away. Birth, the same birthplace as Jay Onright? <laughs> Jay, that's a whole other 
uh, podcast. Um, so Jay, yeah, okay. I've known Jay since I was like a little guy. Uh, Jay was my brother's age. Um, and uh, it was hilarious because my first sports job was at A Channel Winnipeg. Jay was already there and he was hosting the big breakfast morning show. So they were looking for like a sports guy. So, I mean, I remember trading hockey cards with Jay. I remember saying like, we trade hockey cards and I like fleeced him for an Ed Belfort rookie card. Like, it's like, oh, this is like, um, his, the funny part is his, uh, his sister, Aaron married my cousin Trevor. So that was actually written in the TSN, like official press release when I was hired eventually. So I go, I go there, I'm on the big breakfast show with my frosted tips. Like I would fill in as the sports guy. So Jay and I work there. Jay went to NHL Network. Uh, I went back to CTV Edmonton. Um, eventually, I actually worked with Bryn there, which was awesome, with You're Ryan okay. Rashog. Uh, then yeah, me yeah. and Reesh were kind of poached in about six months' time. And my first sports center was with Jay Onre, um, which is really cool. So, um, you know, Edmonton and and, and Onright and their families, I mean, we're, we're still, you know, obviously great friends and stay in touch. Dale and Joanne. Dale is his dad, and Joanne... So his mom, Joanne, and my dad, Bob, played in a Ukrainian rock band called the Rainbow Riders. You can't make this shit up. Like, like it, we have photos. I could send you some photos. It's hilarious. Jay put it on SportsCenter, actually, at one point. Like, <laughs> it's totally true story. Um, yeah, but Jay, our families go way back. You're the voice of the Montreal Canadiens. That carries with it, I assume heavy responsibility to do it right given the market given the interest in the team i'm not saying that doing play-by-play anywhere else is you know not important but man that's the original sick stuff and you feel like you know you owe the audience the best brian mudrick every game just because it's montreal Uh, i owe that to brian mudrick as well but yes i owe it to my family i owe it to everyone who has believed in me i owe it to everyone who has not believed in me um, I walk in there, Dave, and, uh, I, I tweeted it this year, like, and I meant it, uh, like I always take the time when I walk up through the rafters and the 24 cups and the banners and, you know, you know, Henri Richard, Rocket Richard, you know, Guy Lafleur, like the banner, like it's a big deal, man. Like the, the elevator's open and there's Danny Gallivan. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah. um, I, it is such an honor. It's a privilege. Every game is a privilege. Uh, I never, ever, ever take it for granted, ever. Um, like I said, I don't care where my head's at, how I'm feeling, run down, cold, doesn't matter. Um, you know, you got to I, – I, I pride myself on bringing the best I got uh, all the time that night. Um, so there, there's a lot of pressure. I, I have to be honest with you. The, the, the biggest broadcast for me where I actually felt the most weight um, was the recent Beijing games. Um, those women sacrificed so much during COVID. They were training in Calgary in a bubble, okay? Weeks and weeks before even traveling, all right? Some of them were just engaged. Some of them were new moms. Um, They go over there as a team. They're training. They're in the bubble, the quarantines. We didn't travel. We called it from downtown Toronto, myself and Cheryl Pounder. It was so important to me to do them and their families, the the honor they deserved. It was very important to me. Um, uh, that's probably the heaviest I've ever felt actually was that game was that gold medal game. Um, and, uh, it was, it was awesome. It was, uh, my dear friend, and I'm so grateful to call him a friend because he was my idol, uh, Chris Cuthbert. We've had many talks about broadcasting and 
I've always asked Chris, like, is there a perfect game? He's like, nope. He's like, you can't chase the perfect game. It just doesn't exist. And maybe that's why we love it. Maybe that's why I love the job so much. So I asked Chris one time, I said, well, were you close? And he kind of smiled the way that CC smiles. And he says, well, that 2010 game worked out pretty good, he says. That was pretty good for him. <laughs> it was pretty good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> What about mentors? And I'm obviously CC Chris Cuthbert would be one of them on the broadcast side. You have a few other mentors, uh, not only career wise, but also people that kind of helped you get through the cancer battle. Uh, Brent Griffiths, um, you let me be myself. Uh, Reg Thomas, rest in peace. Let me be myself. Yeah. Took a chance on me. Um, Steve Hogle, let me be myself. Um, Remind me where the line was, but, you know, let me be who I was and have a personality. Mark Millier, who hired me. Uh, Paul Graham, who is my boss that pushes me. Um, I would always, you know, I would say uh, Chris Durham at Nate, who showed up during my sickness and my chemo. And I always have time for, for Chris and Nate students. Um, I'll never forget that. Um, Ron Rimmer who taught me how to write sports highlights at ITV back in the Annie Stark days when it was ITV. Um, and I see sports Jeff. Net. Yeah. Sports net. Yeah. Well, I see Jeff Rimmer calling the Columbus games and I, and I always tell him to make sure you say hi to Ron for me because I just never forget his generosity uh, and his time with me. Uh, certainly mentors. Like uh, I remember my first worlds, um, and it was in Prague and Gord Miller taking the time to come down and spend time with me, a, a rookie that has no idea how to pronounce Latvian names. Still don't. Um, <laughs> so okay. um, I've always admired, um, you know, Gord's um, he's kind of got that voice when the, when the goal is called that lets you know that it's, you better be watching. Um, Dave Randorf has been very kind to me. Um, I've always admired Dave's enthusiasm um, and his energy with his call. We've talked about CC. I just think he is, he's got a very special uh, place. Um, and Chris, just what a great guy too. Um, he, he, I didn't know they were doing this. He read my brother's eulogy on a sins game when I was at the funeral and with my family. And that really uh, meant a lot to me. Um, and, and Bryn, I'll never forget. And I, and I remember this stuff, man. I was a young reporter and I was think I just was finished my second or first bout with cancer. And you would always get me a media pass to come to watch the Oilers games. And uh, I don't know if even knew, you know this, Bryn, but my mom wrote a letter to Glenn Sather um, okay. during my first run. And the Oilers weren't very good back then. Like Dougie Waite was there. Ryan Smith was a rookie. And I got to go back into the dressing room. Um and it was a rough year for them. And I remember they lost uh, that night. But Doug Waite was so kind to me. Ryan Smith treated me like I was just one of the guys. Um, and I got to, uh, a couple years later, I was a reporter in that Hoyler room. And I got to tell Ryan Smith that story uh, when he was doing some work with Hockey Canada at a U18 in North Dakota. That was really cool for me to get to share that. Ryan was like, didn't, you know, I don't think he quite remembered, but um you know, that was really nice to, I think it's so important to just acknowledge the people um, that lifted you up, that didn't beat you down. I have to ask, you know, we described you as versatile and that's underselling. You're among the very best broadcasters in this country. Uh, assuredly, um, you do, Thank the you. you do the fastest game on two feet. Yes, I know they have skates on. Here it comes. And then you do curling. 
yeah. and they require powers of description that are so distinct, Brian. How do you, how did you do the thing you do? Um, well, I was, uh, I loved to curl, um, you know, Alberta kid, um, you being, uh, CFL guys, well, both of you, but, um, I curled in junior with a guy named Taylor field. (laughs) And that was the one year I went to provincials in Alberta. His parents were big rider fans, obviously. So Taylor, we were out of, uh, Taylor field. We were out of Lloyd Minster and, um, we made provincials. I was taking, I delayed my second time around with chemotherapy. Uh, so I had a Broviac tube in my neck. So I had to, I was a third. I had to duct tape the Broviac tube to my chest around so I could sweep. Um, wow. Sundry, Alberta. Um, Mark Kennedy, I'll never forget Mark, what a great guy and obviously one of the best to do it, was at that provincials as well. Um, the, the, the rule was though, cause I was still working at CKSA Lloyd Minster. I had to call in a radio report every day after whatever, win, lose or draw. Uh, we didn't win a game. We lost every game. <laughs> so I had to still call it every game and, uh, and file a report on our, our massive losing streak. But, um, you know, it was so cool to, uh, to go to a provincials. Um, the first year the Savile center opened up. Um, it was a Balmoral at U of A and then the Savile Center opened up. We won the first ever men's club championship. So there was a banner hanging there with my last name on it. And then the good team showed up and then they kind of moved it. And then I think it was behind the air conditioner. And now I don't think it's even there anymore. <laughs> but, um, so curling was always like, it was my, one of my first loves. Uh, I curled on a three sheeter and boil, um, you know, love the game. And when, when TSN back in 2009, that was my first, uh, Scotty's and Briar. Uh, and got to work with Russ Howard, which is which is incredible for him and I. And uh, well, <laughs> he may not say the same. Uh, <laughs> I, it was great to work with Russ my first year, and then eventually Kathy Goche at the Briar that year. But uh, to know the game, and I like to think I make it easier on the analysts because I do know what's going on, and and you can kind of like hand feed them a lot of the questions, and and I love it. I love the players. They are so down to earth. They're kind super generous with their time. And uh, I really love the Scotties and the Briar every year. I truly do. One part is that, and you take a look at guys who've done play-by-play of curling. And I knew Don Whitman. Don was did great work with the Canadian Football League, was a great track and field announcer uh, with Jeff Gowan at all the Olympics and the World Track and Field Championships. And then he also could do curling. He could do pretty much everything. He was kind of like the Dick Enberg of Canada for, for me. Then you get a guy like Vic Router. Vic's done a lot of stuff too. Oh, yeah. So I know that Don would be very proud of you, but you also you've had a chance, I'm sure, to talk to Vic as well because Vic's done a million things at TSN. Vic created, in my humble opinion, um, and it's my opinion, but Vic created curling play-by-play. Um, that's just my opinion, but I mean. I will never forget, and I and I've told Vic this, and God bless Ray Turnbull, rest in peace. And um, when I was in the hospital fighting for my life at the Briar in Edmonton, um, Jeff Stoughton won it that year. Uh, three draws a day. Gerald Shimko made the final four. I'll never forget that. Stoughton won it. Uh, Rusty was in that one, and um, that kind of kept me going through the chemotherapy and the garbage and the throwing up and the puking and the feeling like shit like i had three draws a day to watch um and uh that's something i will always remember and i'll never ever forget 
the Olympic curling trials in 2009 that Kevin Martin and Cheryl Bernard won. Here I am back in the city where I was treated and whatnot. And um, Dr. Bob Turner that year, uh, he was my doctor and he would always come. And I think he knew because I had the curling on. He loved curling. He was diehard. He'd always come in and kind of linger in my room. And he, I was so drugged up on morphine or whatever. I didn't even know who was in my room, but anyways, he, and he would watch, like he'd kind of hang and we'd talk curling. And so it just so happened that in 2009 here, I'm calling play by play my first year, first time doing it. And he's the doctor. Um, he's the doctor. So it was really neat to run into him. And one of the, one of the coolest stories I have from curling, uh, there's many, but um, when Brad Jacobs won the gold medal in Sochi, uh, they came out, they were very kind. And it's a long flight from the Sioux, man. And I give those guys so much credit. They flew down. They were part of my tournament. And I asked them a favor. And little did Bob Turner know that when he he was paged for something, wink, wink, he walks into his yeah. office and here they are in their, with their gold medals to say hi to my doctor that saved my life. Nice. And those boys, they took the time to walk around the ward where everyone was not well and with the gold medals and took about an hour. So, um, you know, Brad Jacobs, Ryan Fry, EJ Harden, Ryan Harden. It's a good dudes, man. It's a good dudes. Hey, uh, thanks for your time today. This is yeah. great. Uh, you know, your story is amazing. Uh, your success is not amazing. It, to me, has been hard work for you, and I'm so proud of you. And, uh, and I guess we can, to, to steal a Vic line, we can say, uh, make the final Brian Mudrick one, cancer nothing. I like to say I'm two and zero oh, because I had the relapse. So I'll, yeah, I'll right, right. Right. you're on a run. Let, have you, let, <laughs> a write run. that down. We've got to change the score sheet before Mudrick two. Yeah, Mudrick yeah. two, cancer. And, and, and if I may, I'll just uh, I'll may I toast to both of you guys uh, for the work you're doing. I think this is a wonderful outlet. I think this is exactly what people need. Um, I think it's yeah. it's I think it's just wonderful. So I, I toast to you guys. I think we need more of this. Especially, I think it's so awesome that mental health is finally, especially for men, like coming to the forefront where we've, we've been, I grew up in an era and I'm certainly you guys, you know, be tough. And I think this is awesome. And I think it's okay to cry and laugh and, and, and scream and talk to people. Like, it's okay. It, it's good. It's actually, we should do it more. So great job. Thanks so much. Means a lot. Thank you. Okay, that's it for today. We thank you for being with us as we talk sports and cancer on our podcast. We really hope the stories shared today will help make your day better and perhaps to inspire you to recognize so many have gone through so much. And there's positive stuff happening all the time on the beat cancer front. Now, if you have a comment on today's podcast or a suggestion of somebody you'd like us to track down, then send us an email. It's my email address. It's Bryn, B-R-Y-N, at road55.ca. You can also check out our Twitter feed. The handle is at Cancer in the Room. Or you can also check out our website, which is www.cancerintheroom.ca. On behalf of Dave Jamison, I'm Bryn Griffiths, and thanks for joining us. This series is proudly produced by the team at Road 55. Road 55 creates content that connects. For more information, check our website, www.road55.ca.